Hi, Black Hollywood Live fans. What a morning. Last night, I went to bed thinking the headline was going to be Aaron Hernandez acquitted of double murder. This morning, convicted murderer who was acquitted of double murder is found dead in his jail cell. He's now called an innocent man. Stay with us for the explanation on Justice is Served. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live. Justice is Served. Hello and welcome to today's Justice is Served. It is a small panel, just me and co-host and fellow attorney Yemi Abayami. Thanks for joining me. My name is Chelsea Galicia and we are going to get straight into the shocking news of today. This is a a story that we have covered on the show for years, Aaron Hernandez, and to wake up this morning and read that he was found dead in his jail cell just a week almost to the day after being found not guilty of double murder was just shocking to me. How did you feel about this whole situation? I think everyone uh, was met with surprise about that because uh, a lot of people were a little bit optimistic that maybe this could um, be the first part of maybe appeals in his other case in which he's serving life imprisonment. Um, and that maybe, you know, after a certain number of appeals, maybe that one could be, that guilty verdict could be overturned and he might be a man sent home. So people were really surprised that um, given such a victory uh, after such a long trial uh, that he would then commit suicide. And so I saw lots of different reactions online about that. Most of the reaction is questioning whether or not he actually committed suicide or whether he was killed because on the surface it doesn't make sense that somebody who was just declared to be uh, you know, not guilty of double murder would be happy, excited, and on the road perhaps to reclaiming their life. Because as you said, he his attorney had filed an appeal in the Odin Lloyd murder conviction, and he had beat this case. And so things were looking up, maybe. Right. A lot of people felt that, um, well, it had been suggested that the that Odin Lloyd or had been murdered so quote unquote to cover up because he was a witness to these double murders. Yes. So if if Aaron Hernandez was not guilty of these double murders, maybe that gives him kind of an opening to say that there was I had no motive for killing uh, Odin Lloyd, whether whether you believe that or, or not. But that's not what an appeal would be about because for, for people that have that lane of thinking, they believe that an appeal is retrying the case, but it's not. It's a review of the record to see if the judge acted beyond the discretion given to judges. Right. Has there been some level of impropriety? Was there um, something unduly prejudicial that was introduced that shouldn't have there? Um, On an appeal, you'd really be looking at instances of some justice not being served or there being some level of impropriety or evidence that was admitted that shouldn't have been admitted, which doesn't seem to be the case in uh, the Odin Lloyd trial. So in reality, those people who think that, you know, this could have meant that that uh, Odin Lloyd verdict might be overturned and Aaron Hernandez would be a free man, most people who feel that way, that's it's probably the wrong way to think about it. So for me, it wasn't entirely... It's always surprising when someone commits suicide, um, but to me, that, that victory, having been acquitted of that double murder... It, you know, Aaron Hernandez still had to go back to his cell knowing that he's still serving a life term without the possibility of parole. So to the extent that being in jail by yourself is a depressing thing, um, the timing is off, but 
not not entirely strange to me, given that he was still serving a life sentence. I, but some of the things, you know, Twitter is a fascinating tool of finding out all these theories that people have. You know, on, on Twitter, I saw somebody included a picture of a jail cell and said a six foot one man weighing like I don't know two hundred and fifty pounds hung himself from that window with a bed sheet, and it's this teeny tiny little like it it. On some levels, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I don't know what the cell looked like that he was in, but that is a good point to raise about how difficult it might be for somebody to actually commit suicide in a jail cell. Yeah, that was one of the things that stood out to me. I agree. I don't know what the jail cell looked like, but I would imagine that because suicide is a risk in prisons, that it would be difficult to hang anything from anywhere so that you could uh, commit suicide. And so I'm wondering what was on the windows or what was the kind of structure of the window such that he was able to tie a sheet to it that would withhold his weight uh, and allow him to kind of just to, to suffocate himself amongst that weight. How, I mean, it definitely possible? gives rise to the idea that maybe somebody killed him. So his, his lawyer is, is, is launching an investigation wanting to see what happened because he said that there was no indication that Aaron Hernandez was kind of upset or, you know, on the verge of suicide, that, that, that he had just given no indication either to his attorneys nor to his families that, you know, he might be in a state of distress. Um, so so that's something that he wants to have looked no into. No suicide, no. There's no suicide, no. So lots of people online are thinking that um, there was some foul play involved. It might have been uh, individuals, whether it's inmates or guards at the prison who might have been involved in it but as i understand it aaron hernandez was in was in a a, a solitary cell he, not a sol, not solitary confinement but he had a cell to himself a single cell yeah right and that he had apparently done something with the door that made it difficult for people to come to his aid <laughs> he um, had obstructed the door from the inside yeah so i i just i i'm pretty just shocked by this i mean i thought we were going to be analyzing how he beat this double murder which I was frankly more surprised that he beat the double murder than he, the fact that he was convicted for the Odin Lloyd murder. I thought this one was a little bit more clear cut, um, but I, I don't know what the jurors heard that I don't know. <laughs> Uh, do you have any idea what the, may have swayed them to believe that he was not guilty? That's what I. That's what I. Wa- I want to learn about that because I, I haven't seen any kind of jurors speak about what you know what allowed them to get reach this verdict. I know that a few weeks ago we talked about um, the witness, the PhD student who came in as a witness to say that a defense witness to say that Aaron Hernandez was. Um, gregarious and kind. He didn't seem upset the night that he saw him at the club. They had taken a picture together because, uh, remember, one of the motives for the murder, um, this double murder, was that Aaron Hernandez had had a drink spilled on him and someone had stepped on his shoes and he kind of went out and retaliated against those two individuals when he later saw them in the car. Or he believed that one of those two individuals was the person that spilled the drink on mm-hmm, him. Exactly. So um, so that PhD student was offered as a defense witness to show that, no, he wasn't upset. There was no drink spilled on him to kind of uh, take away the but prosecution's I could, I could, motive. I, I could, as a juror, imagine somebody's pissed off that they uh, somebody spilled a drink on them. Then they see somebody else who is excited to see them, take a picture, you're fine, you kind of have it out of your head. But then he may have been re-enraged upon seeing them. No? You're, la- you're <laughs> laughing at me like that's ridiculous. No, I, I actually think in, in, in the real world, it probably is. In my mind, it is ridiculous because my, my thought You've is... You've never been it, re-enraged <laughs> upon seeing somebody who you felt did you and, wrong? And, and, and it's, well, it's never been enough to make me want to go kill somebody. Okay, or fair much, enough. Much less, much less two people. 
for me. But people have done crazier things in this world and, like, have gotten upset over much smaller things and gone and killed people. So, and and Aaron Hernandez uh, had a history of violence and a history with the criminal justice system. Um, so, But these jurors didn't know the, the, all of that. Right. These jurors didn't know know that. But, um, so... I don't know. I mean, I'm curious. I'm excited to see what the jurors say, you know, why they why they acquitted him. It might have just been um, a lack of a lack of evidence. Were they able to find the gun that killed the these individuals? Were there, you know, was there conflicting witness testimony? Um, Not sure who in the car pulled the trigger mm-hmm. um, or the jurors really believed. Remember the testimony of the the two people who were with him that night were like, oh, I don't remember anything that happened the whole week before, right? They had this <laughs> giant gaping hole in their memory. I couldn't believe that anybody would find those witnesses to be credible. Maybe the jury did or didn't. But yeah, I too, in a weird legal nerd kind of way, am excited to hear about it because when something that shocking comes down, I always want to try and understand how that went down. It- Oh, and I was just going to say, and the standard is high, of course, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. So it has to be certain you kind of need some level of a smoking gun or something that ties him to that. But that's exactly why the Odin Lloyd murder conviction was more surprising, because that one was a lot more circumstantial than I thought this one was. But, and surprising uh, on another front, I had no idea about this abatement thing, Maybe I was out the day that we covered that in law school, or they just skipped over that. But, yeah, probably they skipped over that (laughs) because I was in class every day. I was a nerd like that. Uh, But this whole deal about he he is technically now an innocent man. I saw something about that. Okay, so tell me more about what... Okay, so apparently if you're convicted, but you appeal your conviction, and you are in the midst of that appeal when you die, and you don't get an quote, I'm air quoting here, opportunity to completely flesh out that appeal, that the law sees you as an innocent person because you didn't get to fully take the legal system's opportunity to avail yourself of clearing your name. Okay, so either you missed that part too and <laughs> I definitely missed that I don't part. think they covered that. that. But I that was really interested interesting cuz I introduced the story as convicted murderer Aaron Which Hernandez is now called an innocent man. It's a kind of interesting thing it's in the law. It's almost an oxymoron cuz in, in he is in fact a convicted murderer. murderer, but in the eyes of the law because he died in the midst of his appeal, he's an innocent man. The law is generous in death. I guess so. So he, unless he, you unless you've got to pay a lot of taxes, and then it's not so generous in death. <laughs> but I guess he gets to take that with him. I don't know what the. I mean, fine. That's unusual. I didn't realize that. But to no benefit to him, no benefit to his family. And I guess unless he. Fine. I mean, his daughter maybe gets to you know have this idea of her father that her father was not a convicted murderer. Perhaps. I mean, that of course is the saddest part of this. He's got a daughter. The, the victim, Odin Lloyd, also had a father. The people in the in the car, mm-hmm. the double Zafiro, murder victim. Furtado, Daniel de Abreu. Also had families. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, another interesting thing that I saw on Twitter, somebody commented that every day 20 veterans commit suicide. Media says nothing. Aaron Hernandez, convicted murderer, commits suicide. And it is front page news. 
it's, I mean, I guess we're also playing into that, but I did want to acknowledge that that was a fair point and say it is awful that veterans are killing themselves mm-hmm. um, and that we're, we don't cover that more often. I I don't know how on this show we could cover that more often. It's true, but I think we do have this notion where, you know, celebrities, they seem kind of untouchable. They seem larger than life. They seem almost invincible. And so when they die, whether it's by suicide or by uh, other means, it's always a a shock. And so I guess that shock uh, causes more attention. That's a fair point, too. All right. Um, Moving on to a story that outraged me one second and then finally... I was like, oh, look at that. Officers can actually be fired when a video comes out, like, almost right away. I, I, I wanted to, like, check the records. Has action ever been taken this swiftly to fire officers? Let me back up for a second and tell you uh, about the case of Demetrius Hollins. He's a 21-year-old college student who was pulled over because apparently he didn't have a license plate, although... When he was pulled over, he tried to tell the officer, my license plate is in the rearview mirror. I mean, rearview... Uh, rear of the car. Thank you. A rearview window, I guess. A rear window. There we go. Thank you. And that was apparently not sufficient for the officer who insisted that he step out of the car. And then in the report says that he resisted arrest. Right? Shaking your head. I'm, I know. This was so... It was just, it was just awful. Again, one of these... <clears throat> Egregious cases, and and I'm so glad that they actually had cell phone footage from the beginning because a lot of the times when we don't see um, a a cop fired or we don't see disciplinary action taken against the cop, it's because the cell phone footage that came only came after the incident had already started or after the injury has already taken place. And we don't see the events that led up to the confrontation that can allow us to really accurately judge whether the individual was resisting arrest or whether the cop was using excessive force. And so this was one of those instances where we saw the beginning of the confrontation uh, and we saw the contra- yeah. the contradiction between yeah. the police re- the officer's police report of what he said happened and the actual cell phone footage, and, footage and which you can't In deny. this case there were two cell phone videos and sent one of them caught the initial offense which is the officer who had pulled Demetrius over literally punched him in the face while he had his hands up that officer did not say anything about that in his recollection of the events. In his, right, in his police report, he wrote about how um, Demetrius was resisting arrest, um, how... Bent over at the waist, how he turned, and this, that, and the other. No. Yeah, none of which, none of which, the, the cell phone footage did not corroborate that. We see Demetrius getting out of the car with both hands clearly in the air, and you see this officer just punch him or punch elbow him. him in the face. Just took the, I mean, straight to the face. Then another cell phone video catches what happens. So after he gets punched in the face, the officer tases him in the back, which knocks him down to the ground. Then another cell phone Uh, video shows a second officer arriving on the scene and literally stomping on his head. Uh, This all happened a a week ago, uh, just outside of Atlanta. And the two officers have now been fired. I was surprised that the reason for the firing was because, for one of them, was because he lied about the police report the incidents as it went down, the guy who punched uh, Demetrius in the face. 
The other one did actually get fired for the stomping. Literally kicked a guy in the head while he was down in handcuffs. Yeah, Officer McDonald, I believe, was the one who uh, stomped on him. And he admitted there was an internal affairs investigation. And he admitted that he should not have kicked him and that he was wrong for doing so. And he got fired. But the other officer, Officer uh, Bongiovanni, said... It's different. I think his quote was, "It's it's different in the streets." Right. Or something when his along supervisor was like pointed out to him the contradiction between what he wrote in the report and what the video showed, the officer's reaction was, "Well, it's just different in the streets." Um, he showed no no remorse. No whatsoever. And you know, and I was looking at a at a, at a picture of the of the officers and their sort mm-hmm. of like official portraits, almost looking, you know, and and, and they look like. Normal, nice, smiling guys who look like they're there to protect and serve. (laughs) And it's just, but those are actually the face of evil. And I am really, really glad that both of these um, incidents, well, one incident caught two different angles, two different offenses on these cell phone videos. And actually, Demetrius himself tried to videotape what was going on because he had had an earlier run-in with that officer. That officer claims that Demetrius had, in a prior incident, reached for a loaded weapon under his seat, which is why he was extra aggressive with him, or so he claims. That That has no justification, is no justification for what went down. Not at all okay. And in fact, there may be criminal charges against these officers. And even better, I, I love the fact that the department then said that basically they've had to dismiss, well, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but um, they essentially had to drop the charges in other cases where these two officers were being called on as witnesses because basically they have no credibility at this point. Yeah, it's like 88 cases where they were either the primary witness, arresting officer, or even just a witness that was going to be relied on. 88 cases just gone. And that's, I mean, it's great for those people who get a lot of... But it's kind what, of like a, a get-out-of-jail-free card yeah. to the, for those that were actually guilty of doing But whatever. what if those, any of those 88 cases actually, I don't know, was an actual murder or rape or, or, or dangerous robbery, and somebody goes scot-free? That's not great because news of for this the bad and because of this bad policing, and and I I, I wish you know I don't know what it's going to take for Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, to come out and say you know what it looks like we do have some bad apples and they're spoiling the bunch. Maybe we do need to do something about it. I don't know. I think um, I may grow to be six feet tall before something like that happens. I think that's happens. probably right. I think he would say exactly that. They're just mm. some bad apples, and but he and, would and, stop and, there and, and we got them in this case. They they were fired and we you know and that's it. We didn't need government oversight. I'm just saying that that I think that would be his uh, his perspective. It's probably mine. true, but to think that these were the only officers that engage in this kind of behavior. I the, the whole thing was it was just it's just so frightening to me. I think every time I think of individuals who claim that they were victims of excessive force or that they didn't do anything wrong, they they followed the procedures that they were supposed to follow, and then this happens to you. You get your face stomped in, you get tased, you get punched in the in the face, and absent this cell phone video, yeah. nothing would have happened. And left between this officer's report and Demetrius Holland's word. Every day, I think a jury would have sided with the officer. Right. And so that whole argument about, hey, 
here's a concept. If you just cooperate with the police, you won't be punched. You won't be kicked. Sometimes that's not even enough. Not true. Just not true. And and hopefully more and more people will come to recognize that with stories like this. But um, poor Demetrius, he thought he was going to die in, in this. And he, he says he wished this never happened to him. And on one hand, I wish it had not happened to him. On another, I am glad that this story is an example of you can comply and things can still go very wrong. And that this is an example of where officers were fired because those cell phone videos were out there. The department didn't release them. They were just released to the internet. So the police department had no control over when those videos went out. They kind of were just left to react. So, but, so did the, but did the police department have the videos prior to them being released on the internet? I, it didn't look like it from what I saw. It, they just saw I that they to, were out there. Well, Because they didn't know that there was such a video. Well, I'm glad that they took swift action. Um, and hopefully, you know, in future instances, we'll see the same. And let's see if there are any criminal charges. Yeah. I, exp- I, I believe they said that they were going to file. I mean, they were investigating. We'll see what comes of that. That would be the ultimate justice. Not only charges, but then convictions. All right. Uh, I don't know if you heard this. I don't know where you stand on the death penalty, but the death penalty is back in the news again because the state of Arkansas is in a rush to execute 11 prisoners uh, because one of the drugs in the three-drug cocktail is set to expire at the end of the month, and so they need to hurry up and get this done so that they have the medication. It's weird to call it a medication. The drugs <laughs> to be able to carry out these executions. So these in- death row inmates have been you know, requesting stays of execution from judges, and one of them, Judge Wendell Griffin, did issue a temporary restraining order. He is responding to a lawsuit from the makers of one of the drugs. That drug maker doesn't want their drug to be used for this purpose. It's not, it wasn't intended for that purpose. And they said that they were misled into sending the the state drug for this purpose. So that's fine. Sounds all fine and well. Sounds like a, a, a credible reason to halt the executions. Except then the judge (laughs) goes to the next level. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He, within an hour. So he instituted the temporary restraining order uh, in favor of this medical, this drug company. Then he goes (laughs) and um, within like an hour of of coming down with this decision, joins an anti-death penalty protest that's (laughs) gathered outside the governor's mansion and ties himself to a gurney, make like as though he were dead, uh, in a display of his personal feelings about the death penalty. As a background, he is, um, he was a, a, uh, was he a pastor? He was a religious leader as well as a lawyer and has very strong feelings about the death penalty. And I do think that... Mm, Within a decade or so, we will probably find the death penalty is unconstitutional. But do you think it's an appropriate thing for a judge to protest at all, either laying on a gurney to appear dead 
making his personal feelings about the death penalty known. I mean, yikes. So I I think, you know, judges are individuals as well, and they're entitled to their opinion. Sort of, kind of. (laughs) But they do have a duty of kind of, they they cannot, a, a duty of, Let's see, they have to avoid the appearance of impropriety and the cases that they sit on. Um, you know, we really do want to make sure that we have the public confidence to know that, like, our, our judges are not partial to a certain side or not. Um, and, and that was the, the issue in this case. Yeah. So this, this judge was actually ordered to, uh, I guess, to remove himself from the case because in violation of Ar- I'm sorry, yes, Arkansas's uh-huh. Code of Judicial Conduct. Um, which says that you must recuse yourself when a judge has made a public statement that appears to commit the judge to reach a particular result or rule in a particular way. And I think one could easily say that someone who is very much so anti-death penalty, yeah. uh, that that would influence his decision in a case involving drugs used in connection with the death penalty. And we could have seen from a mile away what he thought about the death penalty. He wrote in a blog that premeditated and deliberate killing of defenseless persons including defenseless persons who have been convicted of murder, is not morally justifiable. Using medications designed for treating illness and preserving life to engage in such premeditated and deliberate killing is not morally justifiable. So he has some good points there, but morality is not exactly the law. It it isn't, and for him... uh this just might not have been the appropriate case for him to sit on. And so the Arkansas Supreme Court did remove him for that reason. So now there's like 11 days before this drug expires. Well, so interestingly enough, the, this medical device, com- this medical drug company had uh, filed a court in this Arkansas court. And then they had also filed another um, uh, another another claim in a federal court, which was also the, the restraining order was granted in the federal court. So they've actually, this medical drug company has actually called for the withdrawal of this verdict, essentially saying it it, it renders it moot because the The issue has already been resolved in the federal court. Okay, so these 11 people probably will not be executed by the end of the month. And, and, And part of this whole controversy comes from the fact that there is not a, like, known perfect cocktail of drugs that are used to kill somebody in a way that, well, we can't guarantee that the death will be, yeah, and that's the the whole controversy, is that they want a combination of drugs that will be effective in killing somebody. Doesn't guarantee that you won't feel any pain, because there are no guarantees of that, but it cannot amount to something that appears to be cruel and unusual. And there have been some death row inmates who have been who have taken hours to die and who have appeared to witnesses to be in agony during the time that they're dying. So I think this is going to come to a head. This is going to stay um, in our consciousness, in the news. I don't think that this is um, going away at all. Uh, but this is like the one time where I, um, I thought that a judge's First Amendment right to share his or her own ideas had gone too far because we do need judges who follow the law. And I hate, hate, hate to quote our newest Supreme Court member, Neil Gorsuch. But during his confirmation hearings, he said, 
if you as a judge have liked every single decision you have made, you probably haven't followed the law. Hmm. And I think this is one of those situations. Although that's not to say that legally there couldn't have been support for why this temporary restraining order should have been granted. Because yeah. there very well could have been legal support this, that, that, that this uh, drug isn't effective in uh, making sure that there's no pain or... or, or or that it was even allowed to be used for this purpose. Right, really, because as, as we know, the drug company said that you really obtained this drugs by, these drugs by uh, imp- improper means. Yeah. You, you misled me. Um, so it is possible that there were other legal, legal grounds to uh, sustain this temporary restraining order that didn't go towards you know, one's feelings on the death penalty. Um, but it's, it just so happens that because of his very outspoken, uh, you know, public posts on the death penalty, uh, as a matter of his whatever disciplinary action or just what he sh- ethics, he he should have recused yeah, himself. Yeah, and case. I, yeah, not only that, but I I do think he's going to be in trouble hmm. for for what he's done. But oh, I feel for the guy. I mean, I would hate to be the judge who. I mean, yeah, I do think that he had good legal standing to say. This this can't fly. I'm you know sustaining an injunction here, but to then go on and do that demonstration a little too far. Okay, speaking of going a little too far, Mark Garagos, celebrity <laughs> attorney, who is he represented? The one that comes to mind for me most often is Chris, Chris Brown. Brown. <laughs> All right, you too. Okay, um, but definitely a celebrity attorney yeah i hate that term but like i guess if there was ever a celebrity attorney mark garagos would be one and uh, he was representing kesha a couple years ago in an ongoing case against dr luke when he heard uh lady gaga make some reference to being sexually assaulted I was going to say while she was on the doctor on uh, Howard Stern show that that makes it sound like she was assaulted while on Howard Stern's show. No, when she was on Howard Stern's show, Lady Gaga talked about having been sexually assaulted, and Mark Garagos tweeted out, "Guess who the rapist was?" He's got forty-eight thousand followers, and somebody responded with Dr. Luke's first name, and Garagos's reply was hashtag bingo. And and then he told TMZ that he said that because, or he tweeted that because it's true. Lady Gaga has said it's not. But that led Dr. Luke to file a defamation claim against Mark Garagos. And this is pretty unusual because you, most of the time attorneys seem kind of immune from what they say about their cases. Uh, and Mark Garagos thought that he was going to be able to really quickly toss this defamation suit out not so much. <laughs> New York judge says you're going to have to face this. Yeah. So, or at least that he, that that this individual, uh, Dr. Luke, has at least stated claims that are that are you know plausible and and could uh, that he could win on going forward. Not to say that he has won on the defamation claims, but he has has at least viable claims he has stated. Yeah, and I thought that what Mark Aragos offered as reasons why this case should be thrown out are kind of funny. First of all, he says that you, this isn't a defamation case because what he said was an opinion, not an assertion of a fact. I am of the opinion. I mean, those tweets 
kind of, I, I sound like Sean Spicer now. Those tweets speak for themselves. Uh, but really, it doesn't seem like he's saying, I believe, I think. Right. He says, when you say bingo, that means you've got it. You know. Do- right. Dr. Luke is the rapist. And another defense of um, Mark Aragos was that in using the term bingo, it was obvious that he was just being playful. That's his defense. <laughs> Again, I don't... No. Not a, not, not, a, not a defense. That's not going to work for me either. And then he tried to claim that it was privileged because it was under the guise of his um, representation of Kesha. But this was about Lady Gaga. So that seems like... Quite a stretch. And your your privilege is between you and your client, not between... Well, the, you are on behalf of your client. Like Mark Garagos plenty of times has come out to say, Chris Brown did not do this, that, or the other. I, You know, my client is innocent and the, the facts will show this, that, and the other. Attorneys say that all the time. And even when a jury finds that their client is guilty, nobody then goes after the attorney for saying something that wasn't true. Even if the, an attorney said, it wasn't my client that did it, it was that guy. Mm-hmm. Well, then They're, whoever that guy is, is not able to file a defamation claim against the attorney. That's They're immune, basically, mm-hmm. to that. So that's why this case is pretty bizarre. But this comment was not about Kesha. It wasn't about his client. It wasn't about defending her or... Um, Anything that had to do re- related to the claim that Kesha had against Dr. Luke. So I didn't buy that either. Neither did the judge. And this case is going forward. Right. Uh, and then he also tried to distinguish even between the type of website that had published it. I think oh, in, yeah. in going to the, you know, this isn't serious. Um, it's all, I use the term bingo, you know, that's kind of facetious. He also tried to say, look, look, this was reported on TMZ, which is an entertainment website Not a versus site. a CNN or a MSNBC or some sort of news site. Yeah. That's, that's so. He, I mean, as a litigator, you have to get throwing creative. TMZ under the bus. Which, ironically, I, I don't. I I don't know this, but TMZ s- often can seem more factual and accurate, <laughs> even though the way they put things is very uh, informal and you know, sort of just short, pithy you know statements. Um, it's, it's entertainment news, it's, but it's still news. It's news about entertainment, but it's still. Uh, it seems to me that it's pretty news. Worthy. I haven't even heard Donald Trump go after TMZ as being fake news. They check their sources. They check their sources. Um, So one of the things that he also said was that, um, you know, this is a matter of public interest, which kind of lowers the... um, Bar for... Right, which will lower the bar for for Mark Garagos. And, um, you know, he lacked actual malice. I guess when you're talking about a a public figure or a celebrity, you know, malice needs to be involved. So those were some other uh, defenses that Mark Garagos was trying to use. Those are defenses to the actual... Claim, but they're not a, a, a defense that would toss out the claim to begin with. Right. So this should be fun to follow. All right. Speaking of following, this case, this will not die, and it gets more ridiculous as the days goes on. Go on. So Sophia Vergara's ex is trying to force the birth of embryos that he created with Sophia. Is he trying to force the... So I wasn't actually sure what this guy was trying to do with these embryos. Does she want to destroy them or does he want to... She doesn't want to destroy them. She wants to leave leave them them frozen. He wants them to be born. He first tried to sue her to do that 
in a California case, and the judge um, told Nick Loeb that he was going to have to turn over the name of two ex-girlfriends who had had abortions. And he didn't want to do that, so he dropped that case. Then he went to this thing where he um, created a trust for these embryos, gave them names, Emma and Isabella, and then he is uh, suing to allow them for their right to life, right? So Sophia's response was... um, this is nuts. I mean, sort of, I mean, her response wasn't anything newsworthy. We wouldn't have covered it if that's what it was. But now his response saying that she is impeding his First Amendment rights to file this claim. Um, what? <laughs> Can you see any way to make sense of that? I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you can, you can file your claim, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to get tossed out. So he's he I mean he's he's established the trust of the kids uh of these embryos in Louisiana. <laughs> kids and embryos big difference. <laughs> of the embryos in Louisiana, he's he's filed his claim and um I mean it, she's trying to say this is, you know, breach of contract, yada yada yada, and he's like, "No, it's not. There was no contract between the two of them. Their contract was with the the uh, the place where the, the fertility the, clinic." Right. Um I mean, just crazy, nutty attempts. And then he's like, oh, and by the way, you can't try and stop me from this because if you are, you are violating my First Amendment rights. I mean, this is just redonkulous. I mean, first of all, Sophia can... to, to say that the government would be violating somebody's First Amendment rights by tossing out a lawsuit would mean that no lawsuit can ever be tossed. That makes no sense. I was hoping that maybe somebody could show me where he had even a scintilla of possible <laughs> credibility in there, but not so much. Yeah, I mean, as we've seen over time, he seems to be kind of grasping at straws, maybe to make, remain relevant. Now, this guy, this guy, I believe, is he, he? I can't remember what he, he comes from. I think somewhat of a wealthy family, yeah. um, but has had a couple of roles in in television and film, and so maybe he's just really trying to preserve his name and preserve a claim to fame and kind of keep his name in the news. And this is his way to do it. Sofia Vergara, I guess, is his ticket. Yikes, that is ugly. All right, well, that does it for us. Um, Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of Justice is Served. Please be sure to come back next week. In the meantime, like, comment, tweet at either of us or both of us. I'm at Chelsea Galicia. And I'm at Yems on Twitter and Instagram. All right, everybody. See you next time or hear you next time or listen to you next time. I don't know, one of those. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.